Okay, so we're continuing our Walking the Labyrinth Together series, and we've been talking about how the labyrinth, it really reflects our lives so beautifully, right? Um, we want, we're a community that's centered around following Jesus. Um, we are on this journey that's not direct, it's not easy, and it's not efficient. Um, we move around corners, and we double back to where we were before, but each time we, we kind of feel like we're going around in circles, we, we, find, we face new challenges, and we find um, new, you know, we reflect on new things. And so we're using also the DISC tool, which is kind of like Strength Finders or Myers-Briggs, to help us, to give us a common language as we go through this, as we walk through the labyrinth together. And so if you haven't taken the assessment, there's some co- copies back there. You could also download it um, on the e-bulletin or from the website, and you can also sign up. Thank you, Paul. You can also sign up to um, to get Pastor Stan's weekly reflections. But I really want to encourage you to take the assessment if you haven't already. Um, there's only 24 questions, and it's kind of a you know if you want to you know like Pastor Stan is going to speak on uh, the disc next week as well as Pastor Tim the week after that. So we really want to encourage you to do to do it. So last week we talked about um, valuing ourselves, um, or walking with myself, and self-awareness. And today we're going to talk about walking alongside one another. And it's about valuing ourselves and valuing one another. So um, I'm going to ask you these questions. I don't want you to yell out your answers out loud, but just kind of think of what your answers would be. Um, what is a healthy amount of screen time one should have each day? What's a healthy amount of screen time? Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, what amount of binge watching should a person, a healthy person, do per week? Okay. What's a healthy amount of binge watching a person should do per week? And then the third question is. Is walking 10,000 steps a day realistic? Is it realistic? If you go to UCLA, it is. <laughs> if you work at home, not so much. Okay. So as you were thinking about those answers to the questions, I want, you don't have to say it out loud, but be thinking about, do you really want to know the healthy answer? I shouldn't say that. The healthy answer. Do you really want to know the healthy answer? Or do you want to make sure you're doing the same thing as everyone else, right? Uh, Do you really just want to hear, like me, the answer that you want to hear? Okay. Because if you watch 20 hours of Netflix every week, then I feel okay. I feel like I'm doing the right thing, right? I fit in. I belong. We can talk about the shows that we've been watching, and it's okay, right? But we all want to fit in, and it's this familiarity, like, you know, that really bonds us together. And and our brain is designed to do that. We seek out what's similar. We seek out what's comfortable because we want to feel safe and we want to feel secure. And so if we're doing the same thing as everyone else, whether it's healthy or not, we feel like we fit in and we feel like we belong. We feel like, you know... um, if we do this, then we're okay. And so the question that I pose today is, can we be who we really are? Can we be who we really are? 
if that's really who we are, right? Can we think and be different than one another if that's who we really are? Like another way of putting it is, can the other person be and think differently if that's who they really are? Like we want to belong, but are we allowed, you know, can we value ourselves as well as valuing other people? And then for like the tagline today is, is can we hold on to another person's truth while holding on to our truth? Can we hold on to another person's truth while holding on to our truth? And the beauty of the brain is we want to be similar, and, you know, but our brain can change. We can change our minds. We can change the way we think and the way we are. And, and that's what um, Stan, Pastor Stan is going to talk about next week. That's the versatility. And then Pastor Tim after that is going to talk about how we can change. But initially, our brain is wired to want to look for the things that are similar. We want to look for the things that are familiar because it's safe for us. And so the early church in Corinth, they were not able to hold another group's truth while holding their own. It was clear, you know, who was who. The lines of, you know, the groups and the boundaries were very distinct, right? We, the church was made up of some Jewish Christians, but mostly Greek and Roman Christians. They were made up of some free people and some slaves, some really wealthy people and some really poor people, and some men and some women. And just like the culture in, you know, of their time, the lines were very clear. You knew where you belonged. And don't go out of your bubble or your tribe because you, you belonged in your group. And so the hierarchy and the power and the devaluing of one another, you know, it was really prevalent in the church. And it was causing a lot of stress and a lot of anger and a lot of frustration. And it really was going to, you know, fracture the church and the gospel message was at stake. And so the people who went to go tell Paul about this, you can imagine, we all know what it's like when you see people like not valuing the other, the other group. Right? It's kind of like how we feel when we watch the news every day and we're frustrated and we're angry right? and we're disappointed in our government. Yes, right, Ricky? That because the Democrats and the Republicans, they're not cooperating with one another. They're using their power against one another, right? And we know what that frustration and that anger and that like, fear of our democracy breaking apart, you know, we know what that's like. And I think that that's kind of an idea of how the church is feeling as they were observing all of this, as the people went to go tell Paul. And so let's look at what Paul writes. He writes the letter of Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians is in a response to this. And so we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 12, um, 12 through 18. And I love, I love Paul, but I feel like he might be, he needed a help from C, a C person, if we talk about the disc, because he's like, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I kind of skipped I skipped 19 to 23 because it was, you know, going back and forth. And you guys know what he means. And then I, I just went to, like, what I thought was important and what Paul was trying to say. So I'm not trying to criticize him, but I'm just saying he writes, like, the way I speak. Okay. <laughs> so let's look at 1 Corinthians 12. Um, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its par- many parts from, form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by the one spirit so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Greeks or slaves or free, we, all, we were all given the one spirit to drink. So even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. 
Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts just where he wanted them to be. And God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So there should be no division in the body, but the parts should have equal concern for each other. You see, this metaphor that Paul used about the body, it was very commonly used to describe, like, the rich people should have, like, the most uh, prestigious, higher, valuable positions. And the lower people, you know, the lower status people, they should have the not-so-great positions in their jobs. And that's how they described it, and that's how they used the metaphor. But Paul is, like, twisting it. And he's saying, okay, you guys, you know your body, right? You know your body has different parts, and it all belongs to one body. It's the same with Christ. And it's by means of the Spirit. It's the same as Christ by means of the Spirit. And because you have committed to follow Jesus, because of your commitment, that means you're part of a bigger, a larger movement that's going on. You're above all this. Those groups and those lines that you draw, those, that fragmentation and that desire to be self-sufficient, like part of being a follower of Christ means we need to let that go. You have embraced a new way of life, and you have chosen to follow Jesus as evidence in your baptism. And so the church of Corinth, they're part of the new body. They're part of the life with Christ. They're part of something larger. And this body is made up of different but similar parts. And they're arranged and functioned to depend on one another. Right? If you have an injury in your foot, it affects everything, right? It might affect your back, and you're like, what? It's just my toe. But what, each part depends on one another. And so it is with the church. Each part has to trust and depend on one another. We need to just, we need to be, both parts need to be giving and receiving. We need to work together in order to what we call at Westlight, experience heaven together. Where we're working together to bring more heaven on earth. And so, you know, he goes on, you know, we can't all be eyes. And, you know, what would happen if we're all eyes? Well, we would look creepy, right? But besides that, you know, he's like, where would this sense of smell be, right? And so it's like this idea of we all need to be who God created us to be. And just embrace that. Because if we're not who we are, then we're kind of, you know, then every, the whole body's going to suffer, And so he's like, you know, if you guys want to talk about significance, the significance that you have is no longer what job you have or how much money you make or the status that you have in society. Your significance is found in in being part of the larger body of Christ. It's being part of it. It's in the context of the body. And so each member is necessary and valuable, and each member they belong. And though, you know, they need to be one in Christ by means of the Holy Spirit, in the context of one another. And so we need to value ourselves and we need to value others. And we have to acknowledge that God created us to be who we are. Even though, like, you know, we all in the disc, we all exhibit it, we have this, the dominant um, style, but God created us to be that way and He's placed us within the body because that's just where He wanted us. And so when we live that out, 
it starts with holding holding another person's truth or holding another person's style while holding on to ours right we can't say oh i wish i was a c i'm just you know and then all and then we don't take ourselves out of it no i need to be an i and just like cuts needs to be a d and tim needs to be a c and stan needs to be an s we need everybody and so that's kind of what our illustration is going to look like. We're going to use the disc as kind of our body parts. Uh, this body looks weird because it only has four body parts. <laughs> but we're going to look at the labyrinth. And, and I, what I love about this labyrinth is um, it has four entrances. And it just really, to me, depicts like, okay, the, the Ds, they enter from a different place. And they have a different perspective. And the Is, they come from a different place, right? And we all have different we enter from life in different perspective, perspectives and from different um, places. And so um, I, I, uh, this is what I'm going to do. I read this book, Take Flight, Taking Flight, and it's about the disc. And it's centered around this whole story of a tree falling in a forest. And the different perspectives, right, the different styles, they look to see the tree that's on the ground and they don't know how it happened. They don't know how it fell, okay? So I, I did, this is totally unscripted. I just said, okay, pastors, here is the situation. I want you to film your response to the situation, okay? So we're gonna review each style, and then we're gonna show the pastor's response, and then we'll talk briefly about it, okay? <laughs> so thank you, pastors, for letting me, for being the illustration. And we'll try not to laugh too hard. Because it is crazy how we did not, I did not tell them what to say, okay? Okay, so D's, let's review. D's, the dominant styles, they like to get things done. And I know it sounds negative. No one wants to be a dominant, right? But we need deeds. Can you imagine? There's a little D in Jesus. And can you imagine if he wasn't like determined and decisive to do his father's will? Like who knows where we would be, right? Being a D is good. We need D's. Um, D's, they are, like I said, decisive and determined. They like challenges. They like difficulty. At times they may seem insensitive or impatient or overlook um, you know, risks, it's because they're D's. They want to get things done. They want to get results. Um, if you, okay, this is really hard, you know, but we need D's in the labyrinth because I can imagine D's ahead of everyone else going, come on, come on, we're going to go to the labyrinth. We're going to make it to the center. Come on, follow me, right? And, and it's, it's a good thing, okay? So if you took the assessment or if you feel like you're pretty much a D, please raise your hand along with Pastor Cotts. All right, we got, okay, oh, thank you, D's. You two and a half D's, Cat is like, ah, we need you D's. And the other D's, we need you guys to, like, fully embrace your D's and just say it, you know, boldly. Because we need D's, okay? <laughs> All right, so here is Katz's response to the tree. Well, there's two things that go through my mind. First thing is, I want to see in which direction it fell from, so I would run to see where the stump was to see what caused it, if it was natural or if something hit it. That's my first reaction. My second reaction is to make sure that nothing, that, that the tree didn't fall on anybody or anything. So I would look to see if there are any animals down there, if there needs, somebody needs to be saved or I need to call for help. Yeah, those are my two reactions. Okay, now Kotz doesn't, he's not really sure if he's a D or not. 
But from my perspective, like, did you notice how he said he was going to run to the place, right? I mean, to me, that's a D. D's are fast paced and they were going to solve the problem. And he was like already thinking like, what's going to happen? Do I need to ask for help? Like he, I feel like he's a D. (laughs) But then he says, I influence him to think he's a D. But, (laughs) but we need D's because he was like going to solve the problem. Um, you know, D's are great at giving advice and helping us solve problems. And so if we have like a situation or if we need a problem to be solved, we need to go to James and Cods and maybe Cat half the time. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So the influence styles, the I, um, they love to get recognition. Uh, their best, they love new and exciting opportunities, control and details. It kind of bogs them down. Um, they want to be encouraged and motivate others. And if we, you know, as we go through the labyrinth, man, eyes just make the journey fun. We just want to make it fun and exciting. Right. And so, you know, um, we're positive, but sometimes we're so positive, we don't see the problems, we tend to manipulate, and uh, we are really bad at following through. <laughs> okay, so, but we need eyes, okay, because without eyes, the journey to the labyrinth would just be frustrating, and we'd be like, you're, and, but we need eyes to make it fun. So eyes, raise your hands and be recognized. Yes, be bold, okay. <laughs> Good. Okay, so uh, here's my video. (laughs) If I heard a tree falling in a forest, and it was a huge one, honestly, um, I probably wouldn't think anything of it. (laughs) It's so crazy. But you don't know how relieved I was when I read this in the taking flight thing. Because this is how I would respond. I thought it was my intelligence. I thought maybe I wasn't gifted and I couldn't think through the next step, but it's just because I'm an I, right? Because we don't see any problems. Trees fall all the time. You know, so what if it's a healthy tree? And it just seems weird. Like maybe the wind blew it down even though there was no wind. I mean, we don't care, right? We just, just relax and have fun. Come on. But we need eyes to make it fun. Okay. So the steadiness style, the S, steadiness styles like to get along. Um, S's shine when they can serve others. They like stable, predictable, friendly, and peaceful environments. And we need S's because they're supportive. They're agreeable and they're loyal. S's are diplomatic. And they, um, they really do create a stable environment for us. S's can be indirect. They can resist, resist quick change and be overly tolerant. But we need S's because they know how to listen to people. They know how to build relationships. And in the labyrinth, we need S's because in the labyrinth, right, it's frustrating. We go around in circles. It's not direct. But we need S's to keep us all together. Like S's make the labyrinth feel okay. Like they make us feel safe. And so um, they're the glue. So if you are an S, raise your hand. Yes. We need you. We need S's because it's hard going through the labyrinth and we need to know that someone's caring for us and listening to us. Okay, so here is Pastor Stan's response. So my initial reaction would be, oh no, uh, because the noise of a tree falling is definitely something that's not normal. 
and anything that's not normal is disturbing to me. And then uh, upon seeing the, the tree on the ground, I would try to figure out a way to make things back to normal or more stable and uh, be able to uh, see uh, just how we can make this situation normal. And then lastly, um, I would want to know what happened, but not uh, so much as to uh, figure out for curiosity's sake, but just if there are ways to keep this from happening again or, or making it making the situation where uh, it won't be repeated. So those are my reactions. Uh, you know, S's are calm, but I love that Stan's, oh no, it's just peaceful and it's calm. I love it, right? But we need S's. Did you notice how he was like, we, it, he wanted things to be normal. He wanted things to be stable. And as we go through the labyrinth, we need S's, right? Because it's, it's traumatic. It can be hard. But they help us to, to be calm and to help us to remember, like, you know, like the tension between the four styles is so necessary. It's so important. So we need S's. Um, now, the conscientious styles, they like to get it right, right? They like things when things are clearly defined. They, um, they like it when there's limited risk. And unlike D's and I's who don't like details, they love details. Like, they can't help but think in detail. Um, they appreciate order, method, and structure. And we need C's. Because if we didn't have C's, we would do nothing correct, right? We would be doing things so wrong. And we would just be randomly, we need C's. And so they're patient listeners, they're intentional. They are going to get us through the labyrinth methodically, being objective, quantifying information. Not because, you know, there was some wind that they just thought of that was like some random excuse, right? You want to listen to C's because C's, C's know what they talk about. They, we need C's. So if you are a C, yes, raise your hand. All right, we need you C's because you're going to help us get it right. So um, here's Pastor Tim's response. So over the years, I've learned that in response to stress, I process things with my head first and then my heart second. So I need to sort things out logically first and then I'll have an emotional response. So in regards to the scenario, I'm going to first see if those around me are safe, including myself. And then after that, I'm very curious in nature, so I probably would walk over to the tree to figure out what was the source of the problem here. Did the tree fall because of an animal or animals or a person or group of people? Was it a natural disaster? Um, was it preventable? And then I'm going to see, hey, is another tree going to fall? And if so, then I'll probably go into protection mode. Uh, if I deem that I'm going to be safe, then I'll probably go into recovery mode. And then it's within this recovery mode, then I feel all these emotions. I breathe a deep sigh of relief. I probably am overwhelmed with emotion and I'm very fatigued. So this is how I probably respond to the scenario. So oh my gosh, we need C's, you guys. We need C's. Like, I love how Tim prefaced his response and then how he walked us through each step with such level 
and detail and structure, and he can't help it. <laughs> that is just the way he thinks. But I, that's what I love about him is because the way he processes and he communicates is very clear and it's very intentional. And so we need you guys. We need C's. Okay, so I'm glad you guys had fun. Um, but really, you know, it's about holding one another's truth, right? And, and while holding on to our own. And I think it's so easy because we want to belong. We want familiarity. It's so easy for us to dismiss. Like, you know, if you notice, like, C's and I's are opposite, right? C's want to give the detail. I get bogged down by detail, right? And so how do we get together? How do we, how do we work together? And if you want to know how, come back next Sunday. Because <laughs> Pastor Stan is going to help us. Oh, but we need it, right? Can you imagine? We need all the D's and the I's and the S and the C's. Can you imagine if, if our church was just all I's? I mean, it would be fun. It would be totally fun. But we would not get anywhere. And even if we wanted to get somewhere, we would not know how to get there. Right? But we would be together. It would be fun. But we need everybody. And this new life that, that Jesus has established, right? That, that this new covenant in order for us to really like live it out, it's when we trust one another, when we can give and receive with one another, when we could depend on one another and love one another and cooperate with one another. That's what experiencing heaven looks like, and that's kind of our trajectory. And so it all starts, I think, when we value one another and value ourselves, being who God created us to be within the context of this larger body. And so this morning, we're going to be taking communion. And communion is a sacrament that was created to remind us that all of us are invited to the table. All of us. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done or what style you are. We are all invited to the table. The invitation to, to live this new life, it was made possible through Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection. And it was for all of us. God loved us so much, right, that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for us. That's how valuable we are to him. And it's so that, you know, we can all share in this new life together. And so I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward and um, to play music as we take communion. And I'm going to ask the ushers to pass out the, um, the communion elements. And they're going to give you two cups. It's going to look like one, but one is stacked up on top of the other. And so you're going to get two cups. And what I want you to do is, you know, we'll separate them. And then we'll wait until everybody has been served. Okay, so during the time when we're waiting for everybody to be served, maybe you could, you know, spend some time in prayer or just, you know, reflection and just enjoying the, the, the science, not the science, but the solitude of just, you know, what communion and what Jesus' death means for us and what that accomplished for us so that we have this life. And then when everyone is served, then I'll signal us, I'll like um, lead us as we take communion together.